Hey, Money Multipliers. Thanks for joining me this week. I have a really fun episode planned where I sit down with Larry Steinhouse, the owner and mentor of Investor Schooling. And some of y'all may know Larry Steinhouse. Y'all may be students of his. He teaches up in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. So right outside of Philadelphia is where he lives. But uh, we get into depths of different things that we don't normally talk about on this podcast show. So I thought it'd be, be fun to bring him in and really go through the depths of HSA savings accounts. What's going on with that? What's going on with Obamacare? I can buy a house using credit cards? What in the hell? So we'll get into those different topics as we move through this discussion. And uh, subscribe to the podcast, rate us five stars. And as always, I'm always here. Send me an email, reach out to me, let me know how I can help you. All right, let's get into the episode. Hi, Money Multipliers. Welcome back to another episode of the Money Multiplier Podcast, where we dive into the world of Austrian economics and we ask ourselves, do our dollars make sense? So today I'm joined here by my amazing friends, my weirdo, my mentor, a genius, Mr. Larry Steinhouse from Investor Schooling. What's going on today, man? Hey, I'm listening to you talk. And the more you talk, the more you sound like your father. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, like the same exact cadence, the same, almost the same voice. At least I don't look like him. Well, that's a good thing. That's really a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I'm, I'm glad that you're on. And I know you're actually, you're up in uh, Langhorne, Pennsylvania. So my office is, yep, yeah. correct. My office is like, which is right outside of Philly. Mm-hmm. Outside of Philly. And we right. go up, we'll, we'll go up to your class. I, so I know, um, Larry, so you actually have Thursday night classes um, that can you do they do virtual as well? You do these virtual? Yeah. So we have a company called Investor Schooling and we have a brick and mortar financial education center. Actually, it's the largest brick and mortar financial education center on the East Coast, which mm-hmm. is kind of neat. And we let people come in via Zoom on Thursday night. So if you're not in the area, you can come in via Zoom. You can go to investorschooling.com and you can sign up there. Or of course, if you're in the area, you could show up for class. And we always teach something cool. We teach we teach what you teach. But the kind of the really neat thing about when we teach, we don't. So I'm not licensed to sell your product. You know, you know uh, life insurance, mm-hmm. and I believe in it so much that I teach it. In fact, in my book, I have a chapter in my book all about it, and it's kind of interesting. Yeah, my book oh, Money Hacks. There you go. That one. No. Yeah. yeah right here you go. That one, look at that. Is that cool or what? <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so, yeah, so I have that. So, it's actually in my book. I talk about it, I teach it. And then we have you come in and kind of like, you know, put the cherries on top and talk mm-hmm. about it. And if anybody is interested, I recommend that they use you. They don't have to, but I recommend that they use you. And honestly, the reason I recommend that they use you is simply because you know what you're doing. You know, it's funny. I hear people go, oh, yeah, well, my, my uh, blah, blah, blah agent has been, you know, he 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 sold me a whole life insurance policy 10 years ago. I'm like, well, has he overfunded it? What? What do you mean by that? Uh, you know, have you put extra money in it? Well, no, I, I didn't know you can. And, and why would I do that? It's like, okay, so if he didn't tell you about it, why are you still going to use him after we teach you how to use it? And then you're just going to teach him. But anyway, just so you know, that's kind of fun that we talk about your your stuff all the time. And it's kind of like, well, it's kind of like, too, that other agent, if you get the policy from them, it's trying to get a hold of the Pope, just trying to call them up and get them to respond back to you, right? I, I, I will tell you, you know, so I have I have an old policy from, a, you know, from one of the major companies from a long, long time ago, long before I knew you guys. Yeah. And you're right. It's, the, the agent has changed four times in the last 10 years. And every time I have a question, it takes three or four days before somebody emails me with an answer. And, you know, the policies I have with you. Well, look, I, I mean, and the reality is we're friends. So I, I, I actually, to be honest with you, I actually think you respond to me slower because we're friends. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. But you do get back to me very quickly, which is great. So here I am talking all about you, and I'm so excited that I'm talking about you. All right, you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the audience something that, that you know, you're going to be embarrassed about. Oh, no. Tell me. So I have been telling Hannah that she should do a TV show called the single the single millionaire chick and i've been saying this for a year now she, <laughs> should, she has this beautiful van that she drives around the country in it's one of those uh, i don't know what do you call it a, uh, like conversion a van a conversion van right like a camper kind of conversion van. van right and you should drive around the company date country dating different guys and they should put it on video it would be so much fun and have somebody like you know say hey 
try to prove that they're worthy to date the millionaire single chick who's as good looking as you. <laughs> I know you've been saying that for a while. Every time you introduce me to, it's a single millionaire chick. That's a single millionaire chick. Bullet point. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, so if you like this idea, you write to me. So send me an email at, uh, I don't know, Larry at Investor Schooling. Send me an email, Larry at InvestorSchooling.com, and say, you think it's a good idea. If I get enough email, I'm going to make Hannah do it. And then he's going to fund for it. I, I have no problem funding it. It'll be an awesome show. Are you <laughs> kidding me? It'll be an incredible show. <laughs> no, but no, honestly, you're a wealth of knowledge. And that's the reason I wanted to bring you on because in your book, you have a really, really cool chapter. It's called um, How to Buy a House Using Credit Cards. Yeah, sure. At first, you look at that and you're like, what? Buying a house using credit cards? Wouldn't that be like the last option that you would do? Well, it would be the last option. It's absolutely correct. Okay. But if it's the only option, it's a great option compared to no option, right? That's it. That's it. I want. Yeah, but sometimes, even even if it's the last option, sometimes if you get 0% interest for a few months on a credit card, as long as you own the property for before you refinance it, it's still a good option. But yeah, it really is the last option. Gotcha. Okay. Or, and we'll, we'll get in deeper into that. And then two, why I brought up your Thursday classes is because I'm a student. I'll go and attend your Thursday classes. But this past week, you talked about Obamacare. Yeah. There's some advantages of Obamacare. So I kind of want to get into those details because- yeah. I'm being selfish and I'm taking your time because I miss class. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? All so, right. So where do you want to go first? Yeah, no. So let's talk about this. So actually, you did kind of introduce yourself. Or is there anything else that you want to tell the audience about yourself before we get into it? I'm wearing a really cool jacket with money on it. Hell yeah, you are. So for all my podcast listeners, head over to the YouTube page, The Money Multiplier, and you can see us uh, visually up here too. And actually, Daisy joined today too. If you're, I see uh, that. Hi, Daisy. Video <laughs> didn't work. So right. okay. hey, and then actually, let me tell you this too, Larry. I haven't told you my feedback on your book, right? Because Money Hacks came out what, in like 2022, 21? Yeah, a year ago, exactly. Actually. Year ago exactly, and so I just I just got done reading it, and my feedback on the book is honestly I loved it. It's not just because you're my friend and because I think you're a weirdo and that you're amazing, but it's honestly because of how genuine and easy to understand the writing inside of that book, right? I, I mean that's one of the biggest feedback that we get all the time is oh my gosh th this infinite banking concept I've heard about it before, but how that person was up there explaining it or teaching it it was just way too complicated. I wasn't following, and so in your book I followed every single sentence, paragraph, chapter that was written in there. And, and I wanted to applaud you for that. So I'm a teacher's secret. And I learned this, believe it or not. I learned it from a English teacher that I had, I think maybe in eighth grade, I'm not sure. He actually said that when you write, you should write on a sixth grade level. Mm -hmm. Now, it's funny that, you know, you're like, oh, what you, I'm a college educated person. How dare you insult me like that? Well, here, here's the reality. Reality is if you write on a sixth grade level, everyone can understand it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I write. I actually write intentionally so simple. So, I, and I make sure that I explain every sentence. And if there's any confusion, I go back and explain it again and again. I even speak that way so everyone can understand it. And it's a great idea. If you ever want to write a book, write on a sixth grade level so everyone can understand it. And that's the way the book is written. It's literally written so that a sixth grader could read it and go, wow, I get this. I can understand how to do this. In fact, if you have a sixth grader out there, have them read it. Because they're going to get a world of knowledge on money that, that wow, so many people have no clue. Yeah, yeah. And I always say that, too. If, if you don't understand what I'm saying after we get off this call, or if, if a fifth grader can't understand what I'm explaining, sure. I didn't do my job correctly. That's correct. Right? Yeah. I was, right. Looking, at you, I was looking at your kitty. She, she looks like she's, she's falling asleep standing up. Everyone says she looks like she has eyeshadow on too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Sure. All right. So go ahead, fire away the questions. Well, I know, and then I know. So in your book, so chapter thirteen is where you talk about the infinite banking cost yeah. of becoming your own banker. But I want to hone in on chapter eleven where you talk about buying a house with credit cards. Yeah, sure. So let's walk through, because actually you do have an example in here where you walked through, and I kind of want to just take the audience through this example as well. Um, 
So I'm going to throw this at you. So let's say that we have a house that's priced at $250,000. All sure. right. You want to buy it. Um, maybe I, I imagine this is going to be an investment property, right? Right. Sure. How how would I go about purchasing this house in credit cards? What, what does that mean? What do I do? <laughs> okay. So first of all, obviously, there's, there's a lot to this. Right away, people can say, $250,000? How am I going to get $250,000 with a credit, credit card? So just so you guys know. I now have $872,500 available on credit cards. So it's funny when I say that, people go, why would anybody have $872,500 available credit on credit cards? And the answer is, you know what I could buy with $872,500 on credit cards? Yeah. Anything I want. Yeah. So that's why I have so much. Matter of fact, my goal is to get to a million. And it was funny, I was stalled at seven hundred dollars for... For about a year, I was stalled at 700, and I finally broke that. Then I broke right through 800, and I just keep and and I just keep going. Now, interestingly enough, I apply for more. I, I should say I get turned down for more credit cards per month than most people apply for in 10 years. <laughs> you do that purposely. You just keep. Going I am up. constantly applying for credit cards, and then everybody's going to say, "Well, that would ruin your credit." Well, once you understand how your credit really works and how your credit score is really calculated, which, by the way, is in my book, I think it's the chapter before that. If mm -hmm. you understand how your credit is actually calculated, and I go through it step by step, you will know that the most points you could ever lose with inquiries or too many inquiries is fifty-five points. Mm -hmm. That still leaves you with seven hundred ninety-five points of free credit. And you don't need 850 credit score. Everybody has, I always laugh at people who have an 850 credit score. It basically means that it's like having a million dollars in the bank and not getting any interest on it. Interesting. So all you need is a 720 or 740 credit score. And you're going to get the same benefits as somebody with an 850 credit score. So as soon as you tell me you have an 850 credit score, I say, oh, go apply for a whole bunch of credit cards, ruin your credit score. They're like, what? What do you mean? I don't understand. So the more credit cards you get, the actually, actually the higher your credit score will go when you understand how it's calculated. And I'm not going to get into that, but let's talk about this. So now I have $872,500 worth of available credit and credit cards. Mm -hmm. And I have to go buy this $250,000 house. And look, here's the deal. The $250,000 house, if I have ever, any other way of buying my house, I'm going to try. Yeah. <laughs> of course, right? I'm going to take my independent banking policy. I'm going to go to the bank. I'm going to borrow from a private lender, whatever it may be. But what if I have exhausted all of that Mm -hmm. And I need to buy this house or I need to buy this house in a hurry. And I can't get, I can't raise those funds fast enough. So what I can do is you can't just walk into the title company and say, here, charge my card, which is funny because I actually have discovered that some title companies will actually let you do that, but wow. they're very rare. It, it actually, it actually was a recent conversation I had with somebody and they mentioned the, they mentioned the title company who does it. I did not check it to see if it's true, but I will tell you that, that it's interesting. So there's another company out there called Plastique where you can actually go and they charge you a fee. I don't know if it's three or 4%, whatever it is. And you also can get cash off your credit card deposited right into your checking account. What I was doing for quite a while was I was actually depositing that money into PayPal. Now, you can't deposit into PayPal. What you're actually going to do is you're going to bill yourself. So you're going to have a business account and you can have a personal account. And you, your business account bills your personal account. And let's say it bills you $10,000. You pay that with your credit card. However, since I've written the book, or since I should say, since I wrote that chapter, which was actually long before the book came out, I don't know if you understand how books work. You probably do, because I know your dad wrote one. Mm -hmm. Is you know, you write a book and it's finished, and it takes a year and a half before it actually comes out. Mm -hmm. So now that now that information is probably two and a half years old plus. So the problem is PayPal actually changed their procedure. And I actually got a phone call from PayPal because I had done this so many times. They actually called me and said, I'm sorry, we can't do this anymore. And mm -hmm. most people, and the guy like kind of confided in me, he said that people who were doing it were getting their PayPal accounts shut down now. But he goes, you run two to three million a year through PayPal. We don't want to shut you down. Yeah. <laughs> So he, so he said, just can't do this anymore. And then he gave me some clues on how to do it. I'll tell you what to do. So it used to be if you had a business account, you build your personal account, you paid your person, you paid your business account with your credit card, and now the money shows up in your account. And then a week later, you could you could withdraw the money. But now what you need is you need a friend. Mm -hmm. So you have to be non-related to the to the other account. And you need a friend who has a business account who bills you. You pay him. He gives you the money. Maybe he charges you a fee to do it because mm -hmm. he's you know he he may have to show that his income. Or he shows you a return where he where you paid it back. 
you know, once you got the money, you paid it back. Whatever the situation is where he refunded you, he refunded you outside of PayPal. However it looks so, he doesn't have to pay taxes on it. You can do it that way. So you have to find a buddy to do it. Um, so Hannah, so do me a favor right now. Hannah, send me a bill for 100000 I can yeah. use 100000 on a deal I'm about to do. You got it. You got it. <laughs> I'd and, help you out. And please understand, you will pay 3% for PayPal. And that's okay. Who cares? You know, it's a 3% transaction fee. Who cares? If the deal's good enough, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, I will tell you that my first, my very first house that I ever bought when I was 18 years old, 42 years ago, <laughs> <laughs> I bought using credit cards and I got an FHA mortgage or what what was what would now be an FHA mortgage. They didn't, they didn't actually call them that at the time. I can't remember what they called it, but it was a low, low percentage down mortgage. And I actually went and got the down payment from my credit cards. I tapped my credit cards. Now, at that time, you know, they weren't, the banks weren't checking to see where you got the money from. They just wanted to know you had the money. Mm-hmm. So I did that. My very first deal, I did it on credit cards. It was amazing. I had no money and I bought my first house with absolutely no money out of my pocket. Sold that house a year later for a 50% profit and realized what a fool I was. Mm-hmm. Could never sell a house. Keep them forever. You know that? No, so never sell a house. Keep them forever. Keep them forever. You As know why? Because they appreciate. Well, they, not only they appreciate, of course, you make rental money off it, so you have positive cash flow, right? Yeah. And here's the other thing: if you sell a house and you have a profit, who gets a part of your profit? The um, the administrator. The, the governor. I mean, yeah. the got you know the government, right? The mm-hmm. the uh, IRS, right? Mm-hmm. But if you keep the property and you instead take loans against the property and continue to have the tenants paying those loans off. How much taxes do you pay if you borrow a hundred thousand dollars from your house? Not very. How not about zero? Because you don't, pay taxes <laughs> zero. On loans. you don't pay taxes on loans. Exactly. So, so just keep going. Now mm-hmm. it's very funny because you ever hear, you know, you've heard people say this before. And since you're the sing- single millionaire chick, you don't quite get this yet, but a lot of people out there, they want to leave their kids a legacy, right? I got my kitty cats. They're my children. Yeah, there you go. Your, your kitty cats will be well They're taken They're my care beneficiaries of. on my policy. So. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but most people want to leave their kids a legacy, right? Yeah. So I have just the opposite thought. I want to leave my kids a problem. And here's the problem. What to do with all these properties when I die? Yeah. My goal is to never sell them. Because if I sell them, I'm paying taxes on them. If I keep them long enough, or for I just keep keeping them and keep borrowing against them. And that's what I do. I keep borrowing against them. I mean, I I had uh, two years ago, I actually borrowed, I think it was somewhere between six or seven hundred thousand dollars off of properties, and it was all tax-free money. And mm-hmm. the tenants continue to pay those loans for me. So it's mm-hmm. all free money. And and by the way, you know, in my book, I teach you how to buy properties with absolutely no money. Mm-hmm. So if I buy a property with no money, and then a year later I borrow a hundred thousand dollars against that property. I not only got a property for free that had positive cash flow, I borrowed $100,000 out of that property, which I got for free, right? And I continue to get positive cash flow, just a little bit less positive cash flow. It's all free money. Yeah. And it's the craziest thing that people don't get it once you understand that money, you know, they, you know, what, what do people say? What, well, what do some people say? I wouldn't be surprised if your dad didn't say this, but money grows, money doesn't grow on, money Great. doesn't grow on trees, right? Which is total crap. Money yeah. does grow on trees. Where do you think the paper comes from? no that's silly no and and some people think you got a money tree in your backyard too right i do i have a money tree on my on my chest forget about the backyard (laughs) (laughs) no that's a good strategy though and and, well and here's the thing too because you know people my age i mean even I, i had to have this conversation with my brother not too long ago um a few years back so he just turned 22 in may but um credit cards right a lot of people my age don't have credit cards they don't right. start them even their parents right what you as a parent right. could be doing for your young child go open up a credit card in their name and set them up for their future right i, I mean obviously you got to be disciplined with these strategies that you're doing but you, you could do so many things to set up your child since we're just on that topic i was just thinking about it yeah so most people are brought up in the uh the Dave Ramsey mindset, right? Buy term life insurance and don't have any, and don't owe anybody any money. The below average. Which are both wrong. You know, yeah. that's 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 a clear path to mediocrity. Look, yeah. and frankly, I got to be honest with you, I learned through time as a coach 
that mediocrity is okay if you want to if you want to accept mediocrity. So sometimes I'm coaching someone and they're like, but I don't want to do this. I, I don't want to take any risk and, 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 you know, and, and a blah, 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 blah. So be mediocre. I don't want to be mediocre. No, you do want to be mediocre. Now come to terms with it. So mm -hmm. if you want to be mediocre, be mediocre. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But if you don't want to be mediocre and you want to, you want to have chances to just do something different and become rich or become wealthy or become a multimillionaire or a decamillionaire or a billionaire, then you have to take risks. You can't just go to work every day and hope, even if it's $150,000, $200,000, $300,000 salary. I have students who some of their salaries between the, their wife and them adds up to over a half a million dollars and they have about a hundred grand in the bank. Mm, Isn't yeah. that insane? So they're not keeping it. It's not they're not keeping it. They don't even know what to do to keep it. Yeah. They should be buying rental properties. Mm -hmm. You know, then you got people who... Uh, I, I hate this. Then you got people who like they 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 hit a certain age, 50, 60, 50 or 60, and they had a half a million. Maybe they had it with a 401k. And where do you think they put that money? Did the absolute worst freaking place ever invented by insurance companies, too, which Nudies? really makes me annuities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is hey, listen, this is what you need to do. You're gonna give me your money. So if you give anything you give me, we're only gonna put 90% of it to work. And if you want your money back, we're only going to give you 85% of what you gave us if you want the money back. Yeah. What is, and we're going to give you a low percentage, like 3 or 4%. And, and people go, oh, I'll take that. That's a great deal. No, that's the worst deal on the freaking planet. The annuity is the worst place to ever put your money. I mean, putting it in a mattress, you make more interest. Because <laughs> you didn't lose 10% the second you handed the money over. That's it. I didn't know how much you hate annuities. I oh, know. man, do I hate annuities. You know why I hate annuities? Because I got students coming up to me and they're like, yeah, I have this money and I want to invest it somewhere. I'm like, okay, well, where's it now? It's in an annuity. Uh, let me see what the fees are to get it out. Yeah. And I had one student, he had he was like $300,000 annuity. The fees to take the money out were $54,000. Oh, my gosh. And I said, how much have you made on this so far? Well, I've had it there for a year and I made about 4%. Really? And they want fifty four thousand dollars to give you your to, to, you know to give you what's left of your money back. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, it's all about liquidity. The liquidity and then the control of that vehicle is really yeah. what you want, and, and that's why we like the passive cash flowing assets, and that's why you're buying them. Yeah, that's why I like the whole life insurance. You put your money in whole life insurance. You could take your money or borrow your money out the next day, or you know within the next day after your money clears. Yeah, I, I, I think I've done it within five or six days. Yeah, that's it. Now, how many doors do you have? I don't tell anybody. You want to know why? Why? The answer that I give is always the same. Enough that I never have to work again. I like it. And here's here's the re and it's really funny because here's the reason I don't say how many I have. Because it's either too little or it's too many. Mm -hmm. You know, like, oh, well, you know, you have that many doors. No wonder you're rich. Well, or or you have only that many doors and you have the nerve to teach it. I'm like, so no matter what answer I give, it's the wrong answer. Gotcha. But I'm telling you right now. You want to never work again? Do what I'm doing. Yeah. Because I never have to work in. In fact, investor schooling was started because I was retired or, or what people call retired, and I was bored to tears. Mm -hmm. I couldn't watch Dr. Phil anymore. <laughs> so I actually had to go back to work and do something. And now I work 80 hours a week to teach people how not to work 40 hours a week. That's it. That's it. <laughs> no, you're a fabulous coach, though. Actually, how long, um, when did investor schooling start? How long so has it been? We on? actually opened the doors six years ago. Okay. And okay. interestingly enough, when we opened the door six years ago, we didn't think anybody would show up. Yeah. And now we've taught over 400 people how, I mean, how to buy millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of properties. But we not only teach that, of course, we also teach the stock market. We teach tax strategies. We teach things about money that no one knows. In fact, if you, you know, if you look at the book again, just real quick, you know, the, the, the um, subtitle, right? Yeah. The subtitle of the book, right. Is, is because every it's money hacks. Because everything you think you know about money is wrong. And that's the truth. Everything people know about money is wrong. It, it's amazing. It even goes even to the point where we're like, what color is money? And it always, make, it always makes me laugh. So, you know, I ask the question, what color is money? And what do they always say, Hannah? Green. They say green, right. And then I take out a $100 bill and they go, no, it's blue-gray. Yeah. Right? It's blue-gray. I mean, I know you've seen me do this before. So, yes. so if you have a $100 bill, take it out. And you'll see that you don't even know what color money is. Also, if you go to one of Larry's live events, he's got this uh, little money machine. The money gun, yeah. The money gun, yeah. And I shoot money at people, yeah. 
And you give away gold and silver. Yeah, I do. I, I, I do. So if, right. So we have a door prize for anybody who shows up to our event. By the way, are you teaching our event, the one coming up? We got to talk about that. Okay. I know someone's coming. I, I wasn't sure. I know somebody from your group is coming. I think uh, Nog will be there. Yeah, that's great. So, you know, because we have them every, every every quarter. And I think and somebody's come to the next one, which is great. But w- when we have our events, and actually, if you wanted to go, you check it out. It's 4mmw.com. Money for it stands for money multiplier workshop.com or 4mmw.com. I know I stole that from you, but it still works. I just love it. Money multiplier. I just love it. I, I'm hoping you don't have a trademark on it and you're not going to sue me and tell me I can't use it anymore. But I, oh. but I love it. But then I always invite you anyway. So who cares? So for mmw.com and you can go there and you could register for the next one. Uh, so that's kind of neat too. However, at that, at that event, what we do is when people come in, we hand them tickets and anybody who asks questions or participates, we hand them another ticket. And at the end of the day, we do a drawing and we give away gold. We give away silver. We give away trips. Uh, we give away lunches, dinners. It's kind of fun. Yep. Yep. And, and actually, as the at the time of this podcast that goes out, um, it'll be uh, right around August 1st. So what we're talking about, it's a live event on August 12th in Langhorne, Pennsylvania, right outside Philadelphia at uh, Larry's Place. So I'll, I'll link that down below the 4mmw.com. But also know that even if it's past that date, we do it every quarter. So mm-hmm. there'll be another one coming up, I think, in October. So then there's another one coming up in I think February, whatever, whatever the dates are. But so you'll so you can you can come anytime. And then of course you can come to a regular class by going to investorschooling.com. You can come any Thursday at seven o'clock, and that's free. Uh, so so that's a nice thing. The money multiplier has a ticket price, and we also have a, a, a like a VIP price too, where if you add a couple of bucks more, you can actually go to dinner with the speakers. That was a lot of fun. Did you I think you guys left early that night though? Oh, we're so tired. Yeah, yeah, you guys had to leave early, night, but we have so much fun where everybody gets together and they ask the speakers all kinds of questions that they didn't have a chance to eat to, to ask. And of course, we all eat together as well. Yeah. All no, right. What was your other question? You had an Obamacare question, didn't you? I had an Obamacare question, but here's my other one. Um, again, these are just selfish questions. I just want to pick your brain at right now. All right. And actually, I've, I've heard that saying a lot. Some people don't like the term pick your brain, but I use it, whatever. So, so- here you go. You could pick my brain, but listen. Here, here, here's the piece of advice what? I'm going to give you. What? Make sure you find a guy who appreciates you because you're single and you're a millionaire and you're and you're very good looking and you're fun. So make sure you're going out with the right guys. Okay. That's true. Oh, no. is that what you wanted to ask? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, you're what I want to ask. Okay, so when you're invested in real estate, mm-hmm. is it important to have an LLC? So it's not. <laughs> the, so it's so funny how I, I'm not going to. Even I'm not even going to think about being a real estate investor until I have an LLC. Oh my God. There's so many people. So what happens is there's so many people out there now, so-called gurus that have been doing this. Oh, I, I bought a property two years ago. Now I'm an expert at it. So I'm going to tell you how I did it. Cause I watched some stupid YouTube video that told me to buy an LLC. Stop it. Just yeah. Stop it. Okay. Number one, number one thing you need to do is not open an LLC, not open, a, not get business cards, not get a website. None of these things are important to investing in real estate. The number one thing to do is find a deal. Yeah. And when you find a deal, I don't care if you put it in your own name. I don't care if you put it in trust. I don't care if you put it in LLC. Just buy it. We can fix if you screwed it up and put it in the wrong entity. Who cares? The more important thing is you bought it. You did a deal. Now, I don't put anything in LLCs. In fact, I own uh, my LLCs own nothing. And personally, I own nothing too. I put everything in trust. Yeah. And the reason I put everything in trust is because every single property is now in its own entity. Mm-hmm. And each entity is handled the same way. Now, I always laugh and I tell people, people because I don't own anything, I actually, I'm, I'm a multimillionaire, but I, I actually qualify for Medicaid because mm-hmm. nothing's in my name. Yep, yep. I'm the trustee on all these trusts and I control them all, but I don't own any of the properties. In mm-hmm. fact, there are, there, I've got dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pieces of paper that are called trust that own the properties. But unfortunately, these pieces of paper can't speak for themselves. Mm-hmm. So I have to speak for the piece of paper. That, that's what makes me a trustee. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's a great, great way to buy our own properties. Well, and, and actually, Pop says the same thing. He says, you know, on paper, I look like I can qualify for food stamps. Exactly. That's exactly right. And when you do that and you know how to do it, and you stop talking about, oh, I made $120,000 last year. When you mm-hmm. stop doing that and go, oh, 
My net worth increased a million five last year. That's a totally different room. Yeah. You know, you're, you're no longer talking about how much money you made. I don't even know how much money I made. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes I'm like at the end of the year, my accountant hands me a thing. I'm like, oh, I didn't make, I didn't make anything this year. He goes, nope. And then at the other time, he hands me, goes, I go, oh, crap. Did I make too much money this year? Now, I, I, I never make too much money. You know what I mean? But I like didn't expect the number to be that high because mm-hmm. I never cared. I didn't add it up. I, didn't, I don't have a paycheck to look at it. I mean, I do get, I give myself a paycheck from investor schooling. You know why? Why? So I qualify for a Roth IRA. Okay. So there's all kinds of cool tricks. Once you understand how the world works and how the IRS code is written, you want to take advantage of every one of these codes. So my company has a 401k plan, which is probably the only 401k plan in the world that allows you to buy real estate in a 401k plan and buy stock options in a 401k plan, which is kind of neat. I also qualify for a Roth IRA, and I also qualify for an HSA. So all of these are tax-favored vehicles mm-hmm. that will make that will make it so that when I'm over 50, when I'm over 65, which is coming up soon, I could withdraw these this money and I could withdraw it with absolutely no taxes. Even on the gains. There we go. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Withdraw it on the gains too. That's interesting. Yeah, absolutely. So if I put a fifty thousand in a Roth IRA and hit hit a winner and it's worth a million dollars, I could withdraw that million dollars and never pay taxes on it. There we go. I just have to wait till I'm sixty five. You doing any self directed? Yeah, of course they're all self directed. Yeah. All self directed. Okay. Yeah. So when you okay okay so actually educate me on this so when you say Roth IRAs are those are the same thing as self directed or no different okay so so glad you asked that because now I'm going to explain something to you yeah so there's an IRA and there's a Roth IRA yeah let's just talk about an IRA for a second and we'll talk about the difference between the two an IRA is just a vehicle it's a vehicle that you put money into mm-hmm. and that vehicle just holds that money until you decide to do something so like if I had money if I had two hundred bucks and I put it into a bank. Who owns that 200 bucks? The, yeah. Right. I own the 200 bucks, right? If I open up an IRA and I put my 200 bucks into the IRA, I don't own the 200 bucks anymore. My IRA owns the 200 bucks. Remember how we talked about a trust and a trustee? Mm -hmm. So I become the custodian of my own IRA. Well, I control my own IRA. Sometimes there's a separate custodian, but I control my own IRA, but it's a separate entity. Now there's something else which is a Roth IRA, and they work differently. An IRA, when you take the money out when you're 65, any gains that you had, or if you take the money out because you you deducted the money you put in, any gains or any money you take out is now taxable. Mm -hmm. In a Roth IRA, you don't write off the tax. There's no tax advantage in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but when you withdraw the money after you're 65, you no longer get taxed on that money. So like I said, I could put Today I can put fifty thousand into my, but I can't put it. I can only put a maximum. Of, I believe it's seventy five hundred this year. I can only put seventy five hundred per year in. But if I turn that money into some huge profit, maybe a million dollars, for example, when I'm sixty five or above, I can start pulling that money out of my Roth IRA and pay no taxes on anything because it was tax. It was it was uh, it was uh, taxed money going in yeah. and untaxed money coming out, hmm. which yeah, is yeah. really neat. So now. Let's go to a self-directed IRA. So I have an IRA, I have a traditional IRA. It's the same exact thing. The word self-directed means now I can do anything I want with that money inside that IRA. So you you have an IRA, and let's say you have an IRA with a bank. The bank has one thing, they have a CD. So your IRA invests in CDs, that's all you're allowed to invest in. Now, you have, let's say you have a brokerage account. It has five different accounts that you can invest that IRA in, right? That's actually a self-directed IRA but you're limited to the five accounts that that brokerage has. Yeah. My self-directed stuff is limited to anything I want. Mm-hmm. I could buy anything I want in my IRA because of the self-directed custodians that I use, companies like Plan or some other plant companies out there that I use that will let me invest in anything I want, stock options, stock, real estate, gold, silver, some will even let you do Bitcoin. So it's when you say self-directed IRA, there's still either a Roth or a traditional IRA, but you're and and you're using self-directed custodian to do that. Yeah. Now let me ask you this question because people I've asked Noggle this, and I've also asked Dad this, and, and you can you probably already know what Dad's answer is. Um, I don't know. There, there's that, and, then, and then there's actually <laughs> you know you know Greg Hurling, correct? Yeah. 
Okay. Greg, Greg pulled me aside and Greg, Greg said, Hannah, you, you should just open up a self-directed IRA. Just put 6,000 a year into it, which yep. I think is the max on self-directed yeah. and yeah. put away the 6,000. And, and, and I haven't ha- found the conclusion of why I would do that oh. besides maybe like wholesaling deals or, or something else where I'm going to have these large tax gains I got to pay on. How old are you? I'll be 24 next month. That's why you don't understand it yet. Okay. I'm because you know when you're when you're on the other side over here, like you know, like you know, five years away from the numbers <laughs> that you could take that money out. Yeah. You realize how important it is. Now, if you can start to figure out what your life's going to look like when you're 60 and 65, mm-hmm. you're going to under or 65, 70, whatever. You're going to understand something that is so powerful that every dollar you put away now into an IRA, self-directed, non-self, I don't care. Any, every dollar you put into an IRA right now is money you won't have to pay taxes on later and live off of. Yeah. So it's not a self-directed IRA that you should be putting into. You can do it self-directed, but you should be putting money into a Roth IRA. Now, it's very possible, because I know a little bit about you, that you make too much money to put into a self, uh, I'm sorry, into a Roth IRA. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you, there's a little trick. It's called a backdoor Roth IRA. So if you reach the limit, and I think this year's limit is something like 160000 but I have to double check. But either way, it doesn't matter. If you reach that limit and you can't put money into a Roth IRA, what you do is you put it into a regular IRA, so a traditional IRA. And the very next day, you transfer it over into a Roth IRA because you can transfer your your traditional IRA into a Roth IRA anytime. The really interesting- Approval or anything like that? No, you could just do it now. But if you've made any gains- you have to pay taxes on the gains when you transfer it over. So yeah. if you have that money, if you put six six thousand dollars into an IRA and you transfer it over the next day, how much gains did you make in that in that time? Nothing. Zero. Yeah. So you pay zero taxes. Now the interesting part is that six thousand dollars. Let's say you put it in today. It's July right now. You put that six thousand dollars into your IRA today. You don't actually get the tax benefit for that until April fifteenth, right? Because when you file your taxes or some people file them late like I do, and I do it intentionally. That's a whole other story. But let's say April 15th, like normal people do, or mediocrity people do, uh, um, they they will file on April 15th, and they'll get that deduction. Let's say the deduction is $1,500. I, I, it doesn't matter what the number is. Let's say that deduction is $1,500. Well, wow, I saved the whole $1,500. But later on, you got to pay taxes on all your gains on that on, on that money when you pull it out, not only the gains, but the money you pulled out. Yeah. So what you're going to do now is on, on – uh, you know, let's say it's whatever. Let's say it's uh, July 15th, for example, right? On July 15th, you're going to put your 6500 bucks in or your $6,000 in. And on July 16th, you're going to take it out and you're going to move into a Roth IRA. You're actually just go right into a Roth IRA. Now, come April 15th, you have to tell your accountant you did this. It's very important you tell your accountant you did this because if you're making too much money, you're going to get dinged. So you have to put the account. So the accountant has, it just basically zeroes out. They take the $1,500 deduction. And then you pay the $1,500 deduction back because the Roth IRA is not tax deductible. Mm-hmm. So what is your net? What is your net taxes? You know, your net gain on that or your net tax savings is zero, mm-hmm. just like it would have been if you put it directly into a Roth IRA. I, I don't understand why the government just doesn't say, okay, just put your money into a Roth IRA. We know the game. But they they, they want mediocre, mediocre people to say, I'm just not, I, I'm not allowed to put it in a Roth IRA, so I'm not going to do it. They don't know the Have rules. Right. And once you understand the rules, you can play these rules. HSAs are another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, HSAs are one of the greatest things. So if you have a health insurance, we can, and we can even get into Obamacare from here if you want to. If yeah, you have a health insurance, yeah. If you have a health insurance that has a high deductible, you can a high deductible health plan, which is about, I think it's $1,200 a year deductible minimum. could be higher. But if you have that, you can actually open up what's called an HSA, a health savings account. Now, most people think a health savings account means, oh, I'm going to put my money into this on a regular basis. And when I go to the doctor, if they don't cover my MRI, for example, or they're $1,200 deductible, I'm going to take that money out of the health savings account, and I'm going to pay for that. So you see my glasses right here? Mm-hmm. These are really cool. These are, um, oh, I forgot who makes them. But they're super designer glasses. I forgot who makes them. Like Coach? Is it uh, Louis? Armani, I think they are. So so they're nine hundred dollars. My yeah. glasses cost me nine hundred dollars, right? So yeah. my nine hundred dollars sun my nine hundred dollar glasses are tax deductible. I'll bet you your glasses aren't tax deductible. You don't wear glasses. I, I got I wear glasses, but I, I got a pair of six hundred dollar product glasses. Don't tell right. my 
bought those. <laughs> and you and you can't you can't deduct those off your taxes. No. Now here's the interesting part. I can deduct these off my taxes, but I don't deduct these off my taxes until 10 years from now. Okay. Well, you in your case, it would be when you turn 65. How how I do that now is I put money into my HSA and the maximum I can put in, I think it's this year is $3,800. I put the money into my HSA, which is $3,800. And when I get my glasses, I take the receipt, I take a picture of my receipt and I keep it on a spreadsheet. There's actually some programs that'll do this. I keep it, keep this receipt. And that HSA that I have, that I've been putting money into it. Guess what I could do with that too? I could turn that into a self-directed HSA. And I can actually invest that HSA money into real estate, into stocks, into stock options, into other HSA. Self-directed HSA, yes. I've never heard about <laughs> that. It's crazy. Right. So now, what, what? Instead of taking the money out and paying for my glasses, all I do is record the receipt. So now, when I when I go to take that money back out, because if you take that money back out later on and you didn't have any expenses, mm-hmm. you have a tax problem. You have to start paying tax on that money that you put away. But if I have all the receipts, and by the way, the receipts are things good for things that normal health programs don't cover, like yeah. chiropractor, like supplements, like gym memberships, like glasses. So yeah. these are all tax deductible. So as long as you keep, keep I mean, we have like 40,000 now of, of things that we put on here. So I, I have up to $40,000 that I put away. Is I'm already going to be able to take out tax-free when I turn 65. Now, at the same time, I'm hoping I'm hoping that I have a hundred, two hundred, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars worth of receipts and the same amount of money in that HSA because it was self-directed HSA, and I could pull that money out. Now, if you don't get this one, this is this is one of the greatest tips ever is the the self-directed HSA, and do that. Actually, so okay, um, let me ask you because I, I'm still in mom and dad's uh, health insurance, right? I think I get kicked off at twenty four, twenty five, or something. Twenty six. 26. Right, right. You're actually good. You're good up till 26. So 27, you get kicked off. So should that be maybe my first move? Would I would I qualify for something like that? Self-directed HSA? Oh, so you have to find a way deductible this. And, and so first of all, I want you to put money into a Roth IRA and an HSA. Right. Okay. If you're not doing this, all right, you're pissing the money away anyway. You're buying things like conversion vans. <laughs> or Broncos. Yeah, right. I want you to do both of these two things. Both of these two things are going to make you so happy when you hit 60, 65, 70. Now, I realize it's a really far away for you. And that's why most people your age, they don't even think about IRAs. They don't think about Roth IRAs. They don't think about HSAs. But if you start doing it now, my gosh, you're going to have millions and millions in these accounts and you'll pay no taxes on it. It'll be an amazing, an amazing idea for you. I wish somebody taught me what I'm teaching you when I was your age. Yeah. There was nobody out there. Nobody, nobody talked about this stuff. No. You know, a couple of uh, you know investment advisors say, yeah, you should open up an IRA, but you probably, you know, you probably shouldn't because you're too young. And they're like, no, that's the absolute opposite advice. You should have, here's the other thing. As a kid, you you could actually you so a lot of people like they they send their kids to college, right? Mm-hmm. So they could learn nothing and work at Starbucks. so what do they do they open up stupid savings accounts like um well i forgot what it's called uh i I forgot what it's called but it's some some dumb some dumb savings accounts for 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 uh for college accounts right 529 right yeah 520 thank you yeah yeah and which is a dumb dumb idea Mm -hmm. don't do that here's the other thing you can do you could pay your kids yeah you have any kids that are younger than you I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Uh, I got I got my niece. My niece does some work for us. How 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 old is she? She's 14. Okay, great. She so just now, got her first job at Culver's. So she's uh, working this summer too. Okay, so so this so but but let's say let's say she wasn't working. Let's say you have a three-year-old, right? Yeah. You could pay your three-year-old this year, you could pay them thirteen thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars, and they don't pay any taxes on that. Because you don't—that's the standard minimum deduction. So if they make thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars, you deduct thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars from their income, and they pay no taxes on it. But you get a tax advantage on that if you're a business owner. You get to deduct that because it's payroll. So you yeah. get to now check this out. Now you have your kid has thirteen thousand eight hundred fifty dollars for the year. Yeah. What you do with that money next 
is very smart. You put it in an account with for them, like a savings account or a checkbook for them that you're the custodian because you have to be the custodian because they're too young. Mm -hmm. Now, the next thing you do is because they earn that money, you take $6,000 and put it into a Roth IRA for them. Mm -hmm. Now they have their money in a Roth IRA. Whatever investment you want, self-directed, I don't care what investment you want. Now, instead of the 529 plan, which limits you to all kinds of stupid stuff, and you have to find somebody else if they don't go to college, if they go to college, you can actually use a Roth IRA for college. Mm -hmm. So if you're using a Roth IRA for college, now if they decide they don't want to go to college, let me put it this way. If they decide to wake up and realize college is a complete waste of money, yeah. They don't take that money out of their Roth IRA and they leave it there and it continues to grow and grow and grow until they retire and they never pay taxes on this money whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Now, the other money that, you know, besides the 6000 6, you put in, we have another, you know, a, another chunk of money. Now you buy their clothes with it. You buy their bicycles with it. You buy their Atari with it, right? And yeah. all that money is tax deductible to you. Because mm -hmm. you use you use tax deductible money to put into their account. They got a Roth IRA and you put that money away every year. And now they're making money on their money. And you're using the money that you would normally use that you would normally pay taxes on it. And now you, you get a tax deduction on all of this money that you spend on your kids. Well, and then actually I'm pretty sure Burr does that. So so um he okay, so it has it changed? Wasn't it twelve thousand? But now it's yeah, 13, it was twelve thousand. I can't remember the other, but it's now thirteen thousand eight fifty for twenty twenty three. Uh, every year it should go up. So whatever the standard minimum deduction is for the year is how much you could pay your kids. Yeah, no, and that's a powerful tool because what he'll do is he um he does that for his daughter, and then what he'll do is from the daughter he puts the twelve thousand into a policy. Yeah, that, no, so so that's that's a good that's a dumb idea. You ready? Yeah. It's a good idea, but a dumb idea. Okay, let me explain why. Okay, putting the money into the policy is okay. Mm -hmm. Getting a Roth IRA with that money is a better idea. And if he pays for that policy out of taxable money, it doesn't matter. So that policy has no tax advantage. I mean, that tax advantage built into the policy, there's no doubt. But pay, but you could buy that, he could buy that policy and have the same advantage if he used if he used her salary or if he used his own money. So yeah. The actual advantage here is he takes the thirteen thousand eight fifty, puts part of that into the Roth IRA, and unless he takes the money back out of the policy and then buys the Roth IRA, that's fine too if he does it that way. And I don't know if he's doing that because that's fine if you want to put it in the policy and take it back out. Because come to think of it, if he's doing that, he's actually doing exactly the same thing. In fact, yeah. it's even better because yeah. now he's got one set of thirteen thousand eight fifty he's using. So all right, so so just let me just correct what I was saying. What he should do if he's going to do that, he puts in a policy immediately, takes it out. It immediately takes the six thousand out and puts it into a Roth IRA for his yeah. kid for college because that that now you'll have the two two of them growing. You'll have the policy growing with the with the phantom money that's in there, and then you'll have also the the uh, Roth IRA growing as well. So yeah, so it, it's, it's phantom money, don't you think so? I like that. It's I what it is. That. It's phantom money, right? You put a hundred thousand dollars into your policy and you pull out ninety. Yeah. The ninety is still working for you, but it's not there. Yeah, it's phantom money. Yeah, yeah. I love phantom money. I, phantom, phantom money. OPM. So, no, that's different. That's other people's. Money. I know. I know that's different. But no, we like phantom money. We like. We like. Yeah. Using, we, we like uh, other. I. I personally, I, I kind of categorize categorize it together. I like using other people's money with right. my phantom money, all working together in one. Yeah, group. absolutely. Right. I mean, I, every time I look at my whole life policy, I, I max it out. I take out the maximum. I take out the maximum loan, and then I turn around three months later. I'm like. Holy crap, I can't believe how much money's in here that I could still take out. Yeah. It, it amazes me now because the you know the machine's just really high efficiency right now. Now let, let me tell you about this. What about um the 1041 tax structure? What if I have what if I have my policies being owned by my business trust? I can use pre-tax money to then put that into the policy, then take out a policy loan, then go fund the Roth. So, so the only problem is with, with that is when when the uh when there is a death benefit it's a taxable event taxable event but that's, it's, so, but who cares because you're not here anyway yeah. you know it's it's taxable event to the person who receives that money and that's okay there, there are people who do that I, I actually like the i don't like the idea of the 1041 trust concept it's okay and it does fit certain people i just think it's it's very misused and here's the same thing same thing like llc's they're very misused too i'm not saying you shouldn't get an llc i have i think i have nine now and they're all active, but they're active for many different reasons. And 
it, it's like an LLC, like, you know, the 1041 trust. It, the problem is people are teaching it. And they're like, yeah, give me $10,000 and I'll set you up one. When you probably didn't need one, you might need one in the future. You might not need one in the future. But I'm just a little concerned that there's so many people out there teaching this stuff that really doesn't apply to most people, even wealthy people. Like I'm talking about, you know, millionaires, multimillionaires. Yet it does at a certain point, but it doesn't apply yet. And depending on the situation, and again, I, I'm not going to say that they're bad. I'm just saying that, you know, they're selling programs. Yeah. And it, and it bothers me that, you know, even these people who say, yeah, we'll set up all your LLCs for you. Well, what do I need an LLC for? Uh, I was told I need an LLC to protect myself. Protect yourself from what? Mm-hmm. How many assets do you have? Well, I have $50,000 in the bank. So why are you setting up an LLC to protect your $50,000? Who cares? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're thinking you need to protect $50,000, you're absolutely in the wrong mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, $50,000 is chump change. Yeah. Yeah. Larry, that's why I like bringing you on. You, you always educate me and you always, um, and you do it in a fun manner. Right. I I know it's edutainment. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, one more time for the people in the back. Say it again. It's edutainment. 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 That's what I do. I I edutain people. (laughs) So, so actually, um, Okay, let me ask. So did we kind of cover the, the Obamacare act stuff? So So we can do it real quick because I don't, I don't know how much time I have, you know, but I'll talk to you real quick. So Obamacare is an amazing vehicle once you know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And if you're a small business owner, I'm going to say small business owner, I'm saying like five employees or less. Or if you're a single business owner, same thing. So the story with Obamacare is the best part about it. First of all, you need to understand Obamacare. There's no such thing as Obamacare. It does, it's just a name. It's a nickname for the ACA, which is the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. which is also bad name because it's not so affordable right when it, you know people nicknamed it the unaffordable care act and the reality of the affordable care act was it was really made for two people and i'm gonna tell you who they were one was hospitals and the other one was small business owners the hospitals now i don't know if you've noticed this when since aca which is 2000 i think it was 2012 ish when obama came in have you noticed what your, ho- your local hospital looks like now 10 years later? Very, I don't know. I'm Completely been... redone. New That's wings. what I very yeah. remodeled. Right, Re- right. Modern. Yeah, yeah, you noticed that, right? And, it, yeah, and everybody was saying, oh, he's going to put the hospitals out of business. And all the, now all of a sudden you have these uh, centers where, you know, they have these uh, urgent care centers. Yeah, no, they didn't put doctors out of business. And they didn't put hospitals out of business. They made them rich. Now, I'm going to go down that path, and I'll explain why it's so good for the business owner. What happened was, when if you walked into a hospital and you had no health insurance, the hospital couldn't turn you down, right? They had, a, they had to treat you. They sent you a bill, and if you couldn't pay it, they just wrote it off. But now, if you have a certain income, and if for, for, a, for a married person, it's actually $30,000-ish income, you, get, you can get health care. It's a high deductible, which lets you use your HSA, of course. You can get healthcare practically for free because the government will subsidize your payment to the healthcare company, your regular healthcare company. I mean, I have Blue Cross Blue Shield, and I'm going to tell you I do exactly what I'm about to tell you to do. I have Blue Cross Blue Shield, Independence Blue Cross Blue Shield, and the the government subsidizes my healthcare cost every month. So my premium every month is zero. Now, what did I tell you? Did I tell you I was a multimillionaire? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm a multimillionaire. My health care is zero. Now, mm-hmm. because it works on income. Now, at the beginning of the year, how much income, how much income, and just throw out a number, and it doesn't have to be an accurate number. So how much income do you think you're going to make from December, from January 1st to December 31st? There's only one answer, and I bet you you don't know it. I don't know it then. That's the answer. I don't know it. I know it. The answer is I have no idea how much I'm going to make from January 1st to December 31st. Why? Because I'm an entrepreneur, right? Yeah. I can make anything from zero to $10 million, yeah. right? And if I make zero and I didn't take advantage of the subsidy the entire year, I can't go back and get it back. So if they're going to give me a twelve dollars or $1,500 subsidy every month, because I claimed, and now if you claim, by the way, if you claim you're going to make zero, they're going to force you to go into Medicaid. So that's a mistake. Mm-hmm. So you need to know the threshold. The threshold for a married couple is about 30000 so I tell every year, I tell Obamacare or the or whatever plan I'm in, 
you know, the uh, the government plan I'm in, I tell them that I make gonna, I, I expect to make thirty thousand dollars. Now, you're probably asking, what happens if I make more than thirty thousand dollars? Right? The reality is, I do have to pay the subsidy back. But let's talk about that for a minute. I'll get to the paying the subsidy back. But if I didn't make that money, I can't go back and get the subsidy. So you must take the subsidy. Take it. Absolutely take it. Tell the government you're going to make $30,000. Now, mm-hmm. a lot of people are at this point, they've gone through this, they go, but the government asked me for tax returns and blah, 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 and W-2s. I'm like, look, if you if you have W-2s, then this isn't going to work for you because you're not a small business owner. Mm-hmm. But if you have if you if you have tax returns, you don't have to send them in. You're going to tell the government something called a self attestation letter, and you're going to fill out basically says, "I expect to make thirty thousand dollars this year." Blah blah blah, and they have to believe you, and that's it. Okay, so you you submit that, it's all good. At the end of the year, if I've made it's a certain number, I believe it's one hundred and fifty eight thousand. I believe it's for 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 two for two people for my, my wife and I. If I've made more than that, I have to pay a hundred percent of the subsidy back. Interestingly enough, if I made less than that, I don't have to pay the whole subsidy back. I could pay less than the subsidy that I that I got back. There's a whole chart. It's actually based on um, it's based on your uh, MAGA, your uh, oh, it's adjusted gross income. But I forgot the I forgot what the M stands for. But adjusted gross income, and you yeah. will have to pay part of it back. Fine, pay it back. It's an interest free loan that you got for a year for your health insurance. Pay it back. And if you can't afford to pay it back, the government will let you go on a on a payment program and pay it back through that. Don't don't miss take don't not take advantage of it. Now here's a here's a great clue for people who work for W-2 job and they have kids 26 or less. Now, if you have a kid who's 26 or less, they can go on your health insurance plan, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming your dad probably has health insurance plan through the company, right? And you're on the company health insurance. Mm-hmm. That's a mistake. Yeah. He should take you off the company. He should take you off his plan. Now you probably work for the company, so it might be a little. No, no, you're on his plan. I'm sure you're on his plan. But let's say you work for a company and they have uh, single. They have single husband and wife, and they have husband, wife, and children. And the children payment you have to pay for the children. Let's say it's three hundred bucks a month. Take the children off your plan. Put them on Obamacare. Or put them on the subsidy. If they get, if they're making less than, I think it's fourteen thousand a year, then the subsidy is one hundred percent, and they never have to pay it back. So now your kids are on the ACA, but you're on your health insurance, and you're saving three hundred bucks a month because you're not putting them on your health insurance plan through your company. You're putting them on the health insurance plan through Obamacare. Yeah, and it's a lot when you really think about it. Let's yeah, see. of course. And just, oh, I could, I could, I could go on all day. This is my. This how old is, you have to be to um, get on a plane like that? You have to be eighteen. For, for what? For the uh, for the subsidy? So yeah. you just have to, you have to, you have to be making an income. So you have to be, be able to prove you're making income. But the biggest thing is the people, the kids who are eighteen to twenty six are the biggest ones that that this falls into. So most of them are making twenty five, thirty thousand dollars a year, and they even if they get part of the subsidy, it's still cheaper than paying the insurance on the parent's plan. And you have to look at each and one individual, but most of the time it's cheaper. A lot of kids my age could take advantage of this. Yeah, of course they should. They have no idea. No idea. Their parents have no idea either. No. And, and to, well, and to be honest with you, most of the people my age, you know, we, we, yeah, we're on the internet a lot, but we turn off the cable. You know, we we're not listening to the big government and all the noise. Oh, no, these guys don't tell you anyway. Yeah. They're not telling you this. Wait, you want you want you want to have some fun? Ask ten people. Hey, would you go on Obamacare? Just ask ten people. Would you go on Obamacare? You know, they say I would never take that crappy health insurance. I would never take that crappy health insurance. They all say the same thing. Yeah. And then you look at me go, did you know Obamacare is not health insurance? Yes, it is. I know it is because 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 everybody that that I know that doesn't know shit about anything told me so. Yeah, it's hysterical. Yeah. Stop talking to broke people. Yeah, you know? broke ass brother in law. Right, exactly. Right, and it's hysterical. You know, I actually have this whole thing now. I I teach my students so yeah. that when when your broke ass brother in law gives you financial advice, mm-hmm. you just look at him and go, "Hey, what's your net worth?" And if it's anything less than a million, 
you just look at him square in the face. Hey, I want to thank you so much for giving me this this advice. Now I know exactly what not to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's it though. That's it. I I mean, oh, not to go there, but but we we got a brother in law like that, right? Yeah, everybody's got everybody's got everything, you know. Yeah, yeah. But what uh, talk money with you? Probably not. Well, the Dave Ramsey fan. Dave yeah. Ramsey told me never to be in debt. Well, you're an idiot if you never want to be in debt. Yeah, don't go buy your furniture and, and be in debt. I'm talking about. Well, I have a I have a goal, Henry. You want to know what my goal is? You want to how much debt I want to be in? How much? Forty million dollars. Forty million. I want to be in forty million dollars worth of debt. Now, yeah. the, anybody listening to this one? Huh? That doesn't make any sense. No, if I have forty million dollars in debt, you know how many assets I bought with that forty million that are probably worth sixty, eighty, or hundred million. Mm-hmm. That makes that's where it works. Well, and then banks, banks love you and are in more favor of you because you're their biggest income producing person on sure. their. Sure. It, it, actually, Grant Cardone posted something like that. He's like, "I'm I'm in debt to banks over one billion dollars." Of course, I love it. Right, what he says. right. That's exactly right. Not only do they love it, but at the same time, he's using their money. It's mm-hmm. other people's money. I don't care when you say other people's money. People don't understand other people's money can be anything from your credit card to your neighbor, yeah. your to bank, your your, money. what? Your fan of money. money, exactly. Fan of money in your in your in your uh, in your money multiplier account. I might have to make a T-shirt. You might have to come and see me and start paying more attention to class because if you don't know, these are the basics things I teach. Yeah, yeah. You, can you imagine how much I how much I teach if this is the basics? Yeah, no, you do teach a lot. And you can all find it in your book, Money Hacks. You can. Where, where can they find your book at, Larry? Ah, oh, you can probably go to Amazon. And please buy it because I get four dollars every time you buy one, and I really need that four dollars <laughs> for your uh, Big Mac, right? Yeah, for my. But really, you're gonna something. <laughs> you can't even see my stomach from here. Yeah, you're gonna something like that. Thanks a lot. I don't, that's a big mom's. That's a mom's special treat. She loves Big Macs. Wait, wait, is a Big Mac still under five bucks? Oh hell, if I know, I, I don't know either. It's probably like eight fifty now, right? All I know is one day, actually, I was really hungry and I had to pull into McDonald's. I got two hamburgers, French fries, and a soda, and I think it was twelve dollars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Inflation is insane. But you know what? When you own properties, you love inflation. Mm-hmm. Inflation is your friend. Yeah. <laughs> are you selling? Are you, are you selling any of your properties right now? Didn't I tell you? When I what, did I tell you who's going to sell my properties? No. Yeah, my kids. Your kids are going to sell them. Right, because gotcha. I'm going to leave my kids with a problem, not a legacy, remember? That's right. You're right. So when you're no longer here. They could do anything they want with them. I don't care. I don't care if they don't pay the mortgages. They get them all foreclosed. That's their stupid problem. Yeah. My, I told them, I suggested to them that they continue to pay the mortgages and continue to credit rent and 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 let and pass that problem on to, to my grandchildren. But yeah. they don't have to. They could sell them off. And they could take all that millions of dollars and they can do anything they want with it. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. But if they're smart... They continue to get the income because that income will grow every year, and they'll make. I mean, you know, it's. I think it's something like forty to fifty thousand dollars a month now that I get an income. Mm-hmm. It's it's a nice income. Yeah. No, so for the community, y'all should really go check out Larry and what he's got going on. And we got the August twelfth event that's going to come up. It's uh, coming up. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, yeah, so, so they, they go to 4mmw.com and they can sign up for that event. Of course, they can go to investorschooling.com and sign up for any Thursday class. First, you get the first one free. And the, it's a class. It's not a sales pitch. That's one thing that we set up right from, from the very beginning was you come into class for the very first time and you're sitting in an actual class. I don't know what I'm going to be teaching that night. It could be anything from real estate to stock options to some of the things we talked about today to other other things. It could be motivation. It could be anything. But what you're doing is you're basically going in to see the style of the teaching and learn something. And then we invite you back to a Monday mastermind after that. And the mastermind, we talk about deals. We talk about what people have going on. And we all try to help each other in the room. And the mastermind is a lot of fun, too, because people become friends in the mastermind. And at that point, if you want to become a student, we'll talk to you about becoming a student. But who cares? Come for free. Just come yeah. for free. You're going to learn something. So go to investorschooling.com and come for free online or in person. How can people turn into your tune into your radio show? So my radio show is now it's every Saturday. I do a radio show on WPHT and I talk about money and it's a lot of fun. It's at two o'clock on, uh, on, uh, on Saturday, WPHT, but they could also, if they follow me on Facebook. So if you find, just look me up, Larry Sinus, I'm the one pointing at you in the, in the orange jacket. 
because a lot of people copy me, which is funny. It's like, you know, oh, there's another one to clone me, another one to clone me, another one to clone me. Mm-hmm. Just make sure there's a lot of followers. You know, if there's three followers, you know it's not me, right? <laughs> so so you can watch it on there as well, live, because we actually do it with video as well. And a lot of people ask questions. They call in. You could call into the show at, on Saturdays as well. It's just, it, it just, it's a lot of fun. I have so much fun with it. Yeah. You know, we had a judge on the other day talking about foreclosures. I, I'm sorry, evictions. Talking yeah. about how, you know, how, because a lot of people are afraid to take people to court for evictions. Mm-hmm. And the judge was explaining how simple process it is. Mm-hmm. Just the knowledge. They don't teach you this stuff in school. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly why investor schooling was invented, because they don't teach you this stuff in school. Yeah. Well, Larry, I, I appreciate you being on. And thanks for sharing your big brain of yours with us. <laughs> yes and actually my brain's poking through my head now and it's making my hairline go back <laughs> is there is, is there anything um that you want to tell the audience that we didn't cover today any last thoughts don't forget send me an email larry at investorschooling.com that says i want hannah to be in her show called the single millionaire chick <laughs> we'll get it rolling we'll get something hey <laughs> Well, my blog channel's up and running. So y'all, you, you may have uh, heard me say this on the podcast before, but if you go to my YouTube, um, it's just my first name, last name, Hannah, spelled the same ways, forwards and backwards, Kessler with one S, and my blog channel is up and running. I'll be on the road the month of August in the van, so I'll get a lot of uh, good blog footage out. All right. And if you ever want me on your on your weekly thing that you do, I forgot mm-hmm. what it's called. Ask me anything on this. Is it called? Yeah. 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 If you if you ever want me on that, I'm always up for that. You know that. I, I'm a big fan of you guys. And, you know, anytime I can contribute, I'd love to contribute. Now, hey, you know what we'll do? Um, Because we so that's Wednesday, 430 Eastern time. You can uh, check it out. You can tune in from the Infinite Banking Facebook group or Chris Noggle's mm-hmm. YouTube channel. Um, if you send me a text message, I'll, I'll send you the link and you can join the stream. I just have to remember to do it. But yeah, I will. I just have to remember something that too. <laughs> I know. It's like, you know, it's typical with you and I. No, I know. I mean, what, we rescheduled this five times already? <laughs> five times. We're big. <laughs> We're important people, Larry. Well, we are very important people. But, yeah. you know, no one's important, as important as you. Did, you. did your dad retire yet and give you the business yet? It, it seems like it. Have you seen, okay, actually, um, this will be a good laugh for everybody. Let me share this. You have not seen Brent recently. Uh-oh. Does he have hair? Look at him. Do you see oh, him? Oh, he's got the beard and mustache thing going on. <laughs> oh, he's I got it. Scruffiness? Yeah, he's a little scruffy. He's got some hair growing there, too. And when I say some, I mean very little. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's telling me to do the same thing. They're all telling me to, to, to shave my head. They are? Yeah. Right now? yeah. No, They're saying shave your head, shave your head, shave your head. Because, you know, I guess the, the wings are coming. It's all pretty obvious the wings are coming. So they're actually saying they're actually saying to shave the head. I appreciate you, man. Thanks for joining me today. You got it, Hannah. Anytime. I'm a big fan. And uh, make sure that anybody who's dating you better know that they got your dad and me with guns. On their ass. Yeah. (laughs) All right. And thank you uh, to the audience. Thanks for tuning into this fun episode. Um, as always, you can send me an email, Hannah at themoneymultiplier.com. If y'all got questions, you got topics you want me to talk about. And um, until next week, we'll see you then. Bye now. Bye.